1: Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Ben, how are you? I'm doing well and today we are going to do the same thing we did a couple episodes ago and that is go through some of the guys who have recently declared for the drafts and go through them, break down their games and get into them. And There are a lot of guys who are declaring so we're not going to get to everyone We'll do some guys on future episodes, and a lot of guys like Sadiq and Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, we have talked quite a bit about on previous episodes. So if a guy is missing, that's probably why, but we have plenty of names to cover, so let's get right into it with our first names. Before we go any further, the prep to pro MBA Draft podcast is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast.
0: Yeah, so for the comprehensive list of everyone who's declared, uh, we'll link in the show description. Ben has been running a tracker with uh, with our friend uh, Zach Milner, and it's, it's a really useful tool. So if a guy is not mentioned here, like Ben said, check out previous episodes, but also check out that tracker uh, because not being mentioned doesn't mean that they haven't declared. And um, we're recording this on Friday, April 10th. So it's only people who have declared through Friday, April 10th. Uh, So if a guy declares in the next few days before this comes out, um, that's why. Uh, So we're going to start with the Arizona guys. All three of their big name freshmen have declared already. I would expect all three will keep their names in the draft. Uh, Nico Mannion, point guard, uh, Zeke Nagy, big, and Josh Green, the wing. Um, Let's start, I guess, with Nico Mannion. So nico is a 6263 lead guard in college who was a a big time recruit the you know the the cream of of arizona's recruiting class um and someone i don't i don't remember if you were ben but i was very high on nico coming into the year had him as a top uh six or seven guy at least maybe even a bit higher um but as as conference play progressed, his numbers and performance got worse and worse and worse, um, to the point where he's he's fallen a lot for me. I'm still relatively a fan, definitely more than other people. I've got him, I think, 15 right now. But uh, the way the appeal to me of Nico Mannion is as a third guard who, in the perfect team context, could start. Um, but the reason that he has that appeal is that. While on the ball, he can't really create any separation because he's not a bursty athlete. He doesn't have shake or or is an advanced. He's not an advanced ball handler. Um, he doesn't have size or strength, really anything to separate on the ball. He um he is a pretty impressive off the dribble shooter, and he is a smart passer. Um, he really like is is very uh, functionally. Uh, capable as a passer because he's got live dribble passes with both hands. He likes to, to probe baseline and do like Steve Nash impressions and pick guys out. Um, he really is just generally a, a pretty smart player, which shows up on both ends of the floor. But then offensively, what I like is that he's a very, very, very accomplished off ball player. Um, honestly, maybe, maybe like one of the best off ball players in the class, if not the best um, where he's a, he moves sharply, uh, he's very intelligent about relocating, especially like he'll do the, the Steph Curry after he you know passes out of a pick and roll or something like that. He relocates really intelligently to make himself um, a, sh- a shooter. Uh, and he, um, in, in high school at least, had all these weird usages where he was like operating as a screener in pick and pop. He initiated a lot out of the post. Um, so he has all this very diverse usage that I think will translate to a role as a third guard where he can really fit into a lot of lineups and then if he finds himself in the perfect team context where you've got like you've got a a a jumbo initiator like a I guess like a Ben Simmons type maybe where he's going to play off the ball most of the time but then you know sometimes we'll we'll need to operate out of pick and roll in the half court a little bit I think he can do that so that would be a situation where he'd slide in as a sl- as a starter um offensively and then defensively I think Mannion is just generally underrated because of his physical tools because he has like a a plus one wingspan or an even wingspan uh, and a bad frame and isn't perceived as, as like an outlier athlete. He really was actually a pretty good defender at Arizona. Uh, He just very consistently beats guys to spots on the ball. um, And then off the ball, he's a communicator. He's got really, really good anticipation. He could very consistently makes rotations. Uh, So like, even though he didn't have a block all year, uh, I think he is a pretty sound team defender. He just really, the, the only place I'd say that he like consistently struggles is contesting on ball at the rim, like guys finish over him. Um, but I think honestly in the NBA, I, I sort of envision him as like a negligible negative on defense. I think a lot of people see him and assume that he's going to be a really massive negative and have to, will have to compensate on offense. But I don't think that's the case. I think he'll be a pretty negligible negative. So, I mean, taken all together, I think he looks like a guy that could be a valuable third guard, start in perfect team context. Um, not not the most exciting option, I don't think, but a pretty worthwhile prospect in this class. Yeah, I mean, I'll push back a little bit because I'm not... Uh, there are some people who are way
1: out on Nico. I've seen some people have players like Malachi Flynn and Cassius Winston over him, which I strongly would disagree with, but I'm still not nearly as high on Nico as Max is. I have him somewhere in the 30s, and I just really, really worry about his tools and his on ball and I think I agree that there's definitely like some third guard off ball equity I just not sure I value that enough to have him in the top 15 or the top 20 because like I mean the on ball stuff is just really really worrisome he's just so weak and really doesn't get to the rim and while his touch is pretty awesome I mean he's a re- he's a really re- great floater guy he is just not anyone who's going to get to the rim kind of at all and I mean his decision making is good but he takes like so many foot on the line twos and like that's definitely a fixable Habit, but it's not great. I mean, I mean, Max's, Max's assessment of Manning as a player is definitely correct. And I think in that perfect team context, yeah, he could be valuable, but just for me, there are other guys that I'd value ahead of him as guys with a higher ceiling at that rate. And but I will say that the defense point is really valid because. I mean comparing him to a guy in a sim- in that similar range for me like a guy like Tyrell Terry who's probably going to be a pretty strong negative on the defensive end who's going to have to be very good on offense it's to compensate Nico is not going to be have to be as good on offense to add value because he's not going to be like a negative 3 or negative 4 on defense cuz like I said he's positionally pretty functionally strong on ball he's consistently beating guys to spots at the point of attack and he's pretty solid as a team defender but I just don't really buy the whole package as much as being top 15 valuable, but I definitely do see the case in this class. And uh, Nico's, I do worry about Nico going higher than he should and landing on a team where he's asked to create more as a primary. I think he's definitely a really team, team, team context dependent prospects. And if he lands in a situation where he's asked to create a lot, I think he probably flames out, but you know, Nico's definitely a guy who could be pretty valuable as, Uh, rotation piece in this class so
0: yeah i agree that that if he's asked to be a like true primary he'll probably flame out but i think his stock has fallen enough that hopefully that won't be the case with him um also i think it's worth accounting for the um the outcomes where he's a really really ridiculous off the dribble shooter because i think they exist um he gets into his pull-up really easily he gets great elevation on it uh so he can I mean he can get it off pretty easily he didn't shoot particularly well from 3 this year i'm not sure what the what the long two numbers were but he's like an 80% free throw shooter and um mechanically except for i mean he he plays kind of hunched over uh and i know a friend of the program Jackson Frank has pointed out that that seems to to dissipate some of the energy transfer in his jumper but i think there are also flashes uh i posted a um a couple of pictures of, of an example of um, one that was way better where he was, he was much more upright uh, and, and uh, just the mechanics looked better. Uh, so I think that the flashes are certainly there of superior um, mechanics. Uh, Again, yeah, he shot 40% on two point jumpers as well. So I think there's a chance that he's a pretty damn good off the dribble shooter. Uh, and I think if you price that in, there's definitely a chance that he's more viable as an on-ball guy, uh, that's that's worth accounting for. Not that I think it's like, yeah, yeah.
1: I think he has to be like really, really quite good shooting off off dribble to, yeah, to, to be worth that. I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's in the realm of possibilities, and I think it's 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 worth not counting out someone who seems to be like very. I, I wouldn't say his touch is outlier, but it's like it's it's up there. Um, someone who's okay, yeah, it's good. It's not yeah, it's not yeah. otherworldly, but it's yeah. good. But like, his touch is quite good. So like, accounting for that, it's it's a ceiling, but I'm not sure how truly realistic that ceiling is. And, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Nico is hopefully a star. I'm not sure where – I don't have him pulled up. I'm not sure where, like, mainstream boards have him at the moment. But I, I, I do worry that, like, his RSCI could carry him, carry him too high. But, yeah, I, I mean, if he could land on a good team in, like, the back end of the first round, could definitely see him being – uh. A, a real rotation piece but
0: i don't think and that's gonna happen it's see it's yeah. i think he's like a late lottery type guy right now which to me yeah. is fine i think that you're going in the late lottery you're not necessarily going to be relied upon to you know be the guy and uh and who knows how how far he could fall beyond that but yeah. but i'm i'm optimistic when he was regarded as a top five six guy i think that concern is very legitimate but at this point i think there will probably be some more leniency with his role.
1: Yeah, and I definitely see the argument for Nico up there. And, yeah, I, I mean, he's a solid prospect. So, uh, sh- I'm pretty sure that's all we got on Nico. Yeah, sh- sh- should we move on to the next Arizona guy? Yeah, yeah, let's do another one. All right, so I'll mention Josh Green, who I'm a huge fan of. 6'5", um, 6'6", six, 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 combo, wing kind of type. Um, He's just a really, really great defender. I buy him as a pretty high-level defender. Um, really smart instincts, making rotations on the weak side he's like an outlier good closeout guy and he is stonewalling on closeouts guys has really struggled to attack off the catch against him which is a really rare trait and one that i think is kind of understated in its value um because that like just creating advantages is a huge part of modern offense and i think josh green has kind of a counter to that which is rare on the ball he's like you said awesome laterally beats guys to spots really strong defender, just the thing that he's not super big and he's not super long. So his positional versatility is a question. I mean, can he guard up? I think in some cases, but he's not 6'6 or 6'7. So and he's not super long. So that's definitely a concern there. Um, Offensively, uh, Josh Green is just kind of not great anywhere, but um, is competent in a lot of areas. The jumper, his shot projection has actually increased quite a bit for me since he came out of, um, uh, of of high school. He was really good on runners this year. He shot almost 80% at the line and he looked pretty confident shooting spot up. So I think the shooting projection is solid there. He's not a lock to shoot by any means, but that combination of his free throw percentage and the touch he shows and that seems like He's a pretty solid bet to, to shoot. And then he's a pretty solid passer. He makes good decisions. And like he can make the occasional pick and roll read with the defense on the move. He's not special, but like he makes some pretty excellent plays, especially in the open floor where he's really great making quick decisions, pushing the ball off the floor and hitting cutters. And he doesn't really get to the rim is the issue. He's not a great – he's an okay handler, Um, not anything great. I think it should be enough to attack a closeout. And make a play. Yeah, Josh Green is like a just like a rotation piece, uh, like, a, like a potential starter in a good context. And if he ends up shooting, this is a guy who can do things on offense and not be a guy you can ignore, and someone who's a really, really strong defender. And so, yeah, Josh Green's a guy I like in the top 20 I have him. So yeah, Josh Green is my favorite Arizona prospect. But
0: My problem with Josh Green is that when you start watching some Arizona games, uh, at first, Josh Green looks really, really good because he'll make these flash plays uh, that look really appealing. And then you you start to watch three, four, five Arizona games in a row, and I think he becomes a lot less appealing because he just, on a play-to-play basis, I don't think is all that impressive. And it's something that's worrying to me is that, like, I, I mentioned um, – we mentioned Zach Milner already on this episode, but I, I was talking with Zach, and Zach watches every Arizona game – and he said that just like the vanishing for stretches and being unplayable for stretches on offense is just a really big problem, and I think that's that's definitely uh, worrisome when you know people who are watching him most say that, and I think when you see it, you see it when you watch more consistently. Uh, and I know that was a problem for for people and with him in high school too. Um, more concretely, I think that you're maybe a little too willing to buy shooting indicators with him. I think his mechanics are pretty bad. Uh, His knees like flex in aggressively and like point his feet point inward. And he's got pretty bad elbow flare. Um, So I think his mechanics are not good. I know that he shot okay on low volume from three and shot well from the line. And I agree his runner touch is really good, but I I'm not wild about his shot mechanics by any means. Like he could shoot. I just don't think he's an especially good bet to um, and I think it's really, really necessary for him. And the other thing is his finishing, which I think is a really, really big problem. Uh, he finished in the eighth percentile in the half court at the room this year, and that is because he has no left hand whatsoever. He had, I believe, that it's one lefty finish this entire year. That's not tracked anywhere, but as far as I could find and talking again with Zach, who watches every game, I don't think he had more than one lefty finish. He always tries to reverse... And he takes these really, really tough uh, reverse attempts and doesn't make them. Uh, so I'm really skeptical of his finishing uh, and his shooting. I really like the passing. Uh, he's got he's got really good vision and just court awareness and executes some really impressive passes that like I, that you don't think are there, and that Josh Green somehow makes them. Uh, and I still I think I've got him similarly ranked to you. I funny thing is I might even have him higher than you, but. I think with Josh Green, he's someone that looks really good when you first watch him, but then when you settle in and you're watching multiple games in a row, you start to see that there are some pretty glaring issues.
1: Yeah. And Josh Green is far from a perfect prospect and he doesn't really have the ceiling like other guys do, but I just think the the baseline of his skills and intelligence um, are really, really a, like a valuable bet in this class where there's just not a lot of safe bets. And if the shot does pan out, like Max said, I definitely the chance it doesn't. I'm probably a little higher than Max is on his shooting projection. But if it does pan out, I think that's a really valuable rotation piece. And there aren't a lot like there aren't a lot of those guys on the wing who are who, 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 like that in this class. So yeah, Josh Green is just a really solid prospect, in my opinion. Big Josh Green fan. Like I said, I think the defense is very, very, very good. So
0: yeah. Okay. So the last uh last Arizona guy is Zeke Najee the big man. Um, I think that for these three guys, I have them in the order we've discussed them, Mannion, green, Najee, but I can understand any, any order of them really. Um, and Najee is the one who's risen the most for me and has been, I think like probably the most surprising riser for me because at first I just hated him. Um, but he is very mobile, uh, laterally. And, I really believe in him as a shooter. He shot really well on two-point jumpers. He didn't shoot a lot of threes, but he shot really well on two-point jumpers, and he shot high 70s from the line. And I think that his his mechanics are pretty good. The only problem is that he he shoots uh, after the apex, uh, but that that's correctable. Um, so I buy Zeke Nagy big time as a shooter, uh, and his movement is really good. The, the issue I have with his movement is he's not quick twitch, so he's got like delayed reaction time a lot moving on the perimeter. So a guy will like change direction or or stop start and Zeke is just not fast reacting to it. Uh and just like generally a lot of what he does is not fast. Like he's in terms in terms of reactions, he's like not hyper aware. He's not like apathetic on the interior or or completely oblivious, but he's definitely not some some genius. Uh nonetheless I think he's good enough and as a situational big, being the movement guy on a team uh, I think is definitely worthwhile. He also, while being that, like, is functional enough on the interior, like, he's he's good on the offensive glass, like, he's a very good finisher. So I think that he's got enough of these big man skills to be pretty valuable along with the the movement and shooting. Uh, The other thing that I'll say is I do think he does seem, like, a little soft on the interior. Like, he goes up soft for contests um and he's not like an overwhelming leaper finisher but he I think he's good enough in those areas that it'll be you know he'll be worthwhile as a situational big because of the the movement and shooting skills
1: yeah I'll say my biggest uh gripe with Najee and I think like I'm not too far off from Max but I know I'm lower than Najee on Max's. I'm just really worried about his offensive decision making and I know Max is probably a little higher on decision making than I am I mean I know he's tweeted clips about potentially making those like learned reads that could be Jolen's him because there are definitely situations where where he does make quick decisions where he'll make kickouts um, from the middle of the post or middle of the floor in zones and things like that but generally just as a guy who is put in spots I'm not a fan of his ability to move the ball and make smart decisions and I think even when he does make good decisions a lot of the time they're not as fast as they need to so windows will close and th- and that only gets more difficult in the NBA when windows close even faster, and the level of decisions has to get even higher. And I'm just not sure he meets the threshold there. I possibly have seen different games than him, Max, and definitely, definitely more to watch. I'm skeptical at decision making. I'm probably not as big on shooting projection, but I do think there's definitely a probably a good chance that he's a big that you at least like can't totally ignore, and that should probably be enough. I'm not sure. Like, I don't think he's a threat, but he's probably a guy that you can't just playoff of the entire game i think he'll be competent on spot ups and then defensively i do agree with with the point that he's a little soft i think it's something i've noticed especially um protecting the rim i think while well, he's like he's pretty um he's pretty long and like max max and i talked about this before the episode he's listed at 6'11, 7 feet and a lot of places don't buy that i think he's probably 6'9, 6'10. i think just being long and skinny and the hair makes him look taller than he actually is i worry about his defense on the interior and yeah like i said he's definitely mobile and just like in the modern nba having a big who can defend pick and rolls and hedge or switch um in situations in certain situations against certain teams is definitely a valuable piece but I'm not sure i'm not sure how valuable i think it is in terms of like a first round talent i think he's a useful big um that a team will that a smart team could find uh, a good use for on the roster
0: yeah, I, I should address the decision making because I do I think he's interesting in that regard, that he seems to me to be really decisive uh when the first thing that he looks at is a viable option. The problem is that when he thinks it's a viable option, it's not, he usually does something stupid, like he'll throw a pass directly to the defense because he doesn't see them. But the point my point is that that I think that he is really decisive. Like you mentioned, like if he catches the ball in the middle of the zone and he like immediately sees a shooter open, on, o- shooter open on the wing. He'll get the ball there really quickly. Um, the problem is that once he has to progress beyond his first read, he just like panics uh, and starts like takes a long time to process and gets very flustered. Which is why the thing you mentioned that 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 I had suggested that he could be a, a good candidate to like learn reads uh, in an NBA system is that like if you get Zeke Naji working on the roll and you tell him, okay, Zeke, when you catch the ball, look to the corner. Uh, If the tag is coming over to you, then kick it to the corner. And if not, you know, go up and try to finish. And I think that he could become pretty decisive with that. Uh, The problem is when stuff starts to get more complicated for him. But that's a part of the reason why I don't think that he's like a, you know, a core piece for you. I don't have him as a as a first round guy. Like, I think he's a situational big. I just think that that some of the situational value that he offers is is legitimately valuable and unusual for a big man.
1: Yeah, and I'll say he's definitely more valuable and better than most of, like, the situational big types projected in that second-round range, like Oturu and someone we'll talk about later, like, in Isaiah Stewart. Like, definitely a far better – far superior prospect to guys like that because I think there is a legitimate – a legitimate chance he's valuable and brings more than replacement of a value because even if he's not, like, in a vacuum better than a lot of those guys, he brings skills that many big men don't have. So just – for his uniqueness of skill, definitely a prospect worth considering. this as as a guy who has a lot of skills that most bigs don't have and are valuable in the modern NBA, especially in a playoff setting, if he can get good enough to to hold up there. So.
0: Okay, should we move on to Teo Maladon? Uh, yeah, let's do it. So I think you were watching Teo a bunch recently. Do you you want to get started? Yeah, with that?
1: I'll start on Teo Maladon. So. Taylor Maldon is someone who I'm not a huge fan of, but I have come up recently after watching some of his recent games. Taylor Maldon is a 6'3 lead guard at lead guard kind of maybe combo guard type prospect. Um his main appeal is his uh shooting projection probably and his handling passing. He is a I mean he's always been a great free throw great free throw shooter. In Europe, has had success, has had some success shooting pull-ups um, recently. The the pick and roll passing, I think, has improved pretty significantly over the last year or so of watching. Um, b- back when he played last season and watching him a little bit in FIBA, it was always fine, but. Never really stand out, but I think in recent in recent games, especially, he's improved quite a bit there. Against uh, Fenerbahce recently, was probably the best game offensively I've seen for him in his entire career. I mean, he was manipulating the defense with with his eyes and his head like I had never seen before. He was being more aggressive hitting the roll, man. I think that's definitely a big issue of his is he's not aggressive enough as a pick and roll passer. He doesn't look for the roll. He doesn't look for layup passes. And he misses a lot of those more difficult reads. But he's been making those more as of late. I think the passing is really quite good. Um, and he can handle a bit as well. He's pretty great with that in and out. He loves the in and out to get into the lane and he can get his defenders on his back in jail, but he's just really, really struggles with separation. That's probably his main issue on offense is he has really, he has really limited burst and he's not strong. And he often settles for lots of like contested long twos or these floaters when he can't get out of the way of the rim that are just super suboptimal shots. And his general decision-making while he's in kind of attack mode is, is not great. And that's the thing I noticed about Maladon is that um, while he's, he kind of has modes, um, he's he, he, can make, he can make decisions and make leads off of a live dribble in the pick and roll really strongly, but when he puts his head down and gets to a point where he says he's going to score, his decision making really starts to wane. And then defensively, um, he's fine at the point of attack. I mean, he gets around screens pretty well and his feet are good, but he's kind of a mess off ball, frequently lapses on the weak side, um, misses rotations, doesn't zone up the weak side as well as he should, and he doesn't contest often when he's rotating, so yeah, defensively, kind of a mess, Um, just, just not a prospect with a ton of upside without the creation, and a lot of the shooting, those indicators are great, it's mostly theoretical at this point, but someone who can really pass and can handle a bit, um, potential to be a pretty significant, a pretty good ball handler in like a secondary or tertiary creator role. But yeah, like a, a good prospect, certainly. One that's like a first round caliber prospect, but not like a top five, 10 guy like he was billed as in preseason by many. And some, I think he still is. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think Teo's fine. Uh, like, I think he'll, he'll probably be an NBA player. Oh, de- definitely a point in his favor is that he played passable minutes in Euroleague as uh, what 18 or 19 year old. Yeah. Um, and that matters. Uh, but he, yeah, the shooting is pretty much the only thing I really like with him. Like he's probably going to be a pretty good shooter. could be a very good shooter. Uh, but he doesn't have the explosion to be a lead guard at all. Um, and I think his, his defense is really bad. Like I think that you probably gave him too much credit, even at the point of attack. Uh, he doesn't really slide. Like, I don't think his screen navigation is good. Off ball, he's really like his, he's really bad. His closeouts are terrible. Um it, like you mentioned team defense is not good. Uh, like he miscommunicates and like botches coverages. He like he's bad. Uh I think he probably can be fine. Um because he, I I, th- I don't I don't know where I come down on him as like an IQ slash field guy. I need to watch some more, but he's just, is a very uninspiring player to me. I think he'll probably be like an okay NBA combo guard, but those guys are just highly replaceable. Um, Yeah. Just, I don't know. He's, he's pretty meh to me.
1: Yeah. And the chance that like he becomes a really high end shooter is like what's keeping him in like the first round conversation really or that, cause there's like a chance he comes a really good shooter and the passing is pretty legit, but like you said, just not a very exciting prospect. Um, not someone who's not someone who has any sort of ceiling as a star impact kind of player without you know without his burst and just defensively such a mess. I mean, I'm interested to see. I feel like his feel is probably not as bad defensively as maybe it could be, just given his passing. Then I mean, he is like like I said, playing a lot of this defense stuff is him playing as a teenager in the second best basketball league in the world, which like I said is worth noting. But yeah, defensively, I'm mean, I mean, until it gets better, it's probably not worth betting on to to significantly improve yeah maladon is a good prospect um in this draft he'll go in the top 20 probably probably worth the top 25 pick or so but just not very special Um, not gonna provide any serious value without some pretty significant improvement but yeah
0: yeah i guess we should move on now to a guy who's like kind of the opposite of Teo maladon in that he he's very exciting but um i don't know that it's there on a consistent basis. Um, we're talking about Paul Reed uh, who is like a forward combo big, really a combo big at uh, DePaul. Um, so Paul Reed is very erratic. He is a pretty high level defensive playmaker, but I don't know that, that he really has it from a from a feel perspective. And then also just kind of really weird role wise. Uh, where he's, like, essentially a skinny 6'9 center. Um, and then offensively, I just don't know what he does because he's shot okay from three, but his mechanics are really not good. Um, he has, like, this enormous pronounced hitch. Uh, but then again, he, like, makes movement jumpers even. So he's kind of bizarre in that regard and even shoots really well from the free throw line. I, frankly, don't buy the shooting all that much. Um I just I don't know what he does in the NBA. I it's I think it's we shouldn't get too caught up in role for really special basketball players. Like people people worried what what is Brandon Clark? Well, Brandon Clark is a very good basketball player and that's why he was wildly successful as a rookie in the NBA. Paul Reed, I don't know that he's that good of a basketball player. Definitely not. Um so so I I'm not entirely sure what he is. I think for a big man, you probably don't want uh, a guy who's as like erratic as he is. But he does have pretty high level defensive playmaking. He is a coordinated athlete, like has some handling and passing flashes. Uh, I, I mean, I draft him. I don't know where I draft him. Not super highly. Uh, if, if he, if that uh, janky form actually works. Then he's probably an NBA player, but I'm I've grown fairly skeptical of Paul Reed.
1: Yeah, he's an underrated like, I've, or no, yeah, underrated. Under talked about like if he shoots guy, because I mean, if if somehow the form does work, or maybe he drastically improves it, um, and Paul Reed becomes a serviceable spot up shooter. I mean, given the flashes of like some off moving and off triple shooting that he's shown, he can be a like a useful NBA player with his defensive playmaking. But like you said. I wonder how much of his defensive playmaking is really intelligence and mostly just recklessness because he definitely kind of just plays with like a crazy energy, reckless, abandoned kind of style defensively, um, which kind of leaves him out of position a lot of times and on some rotations that he just he just won't see some rotations too. So I think maybe though he is a crazy playmaker and but he's like he's not he's really skinny too, um, not very strong. At six foot nine so yeah he's defensively probably not a center because of that th- that strength and height and a four maybe he's pretty okay laterally can probably defend the four but offensively definitely not a center i mean his finishing is pretty unspectacular i mean he gets he does not get to the line really he's got like a 22 free throw rate for a center which is really not good and then like, I said, like there's definitely some handling and passing but talking about his handle anytime he's asked to do anything outside of moving in a straight line it really goes downhill in terms of his handling control he can't do much out of dribble in a straight line which is fair i mean for his role maybe being about a yeah, and, to, to,
0: and to that point i've seen people refer to him as like a big wing type which i don't think he has a skill level for at all like there's a huge disparity between his handling in the open court which i think is pretty solid and in the half court which is totally non-functional and like we've said the shot is not there
1: yeah, and, and like I said, Paul Reed is like – they're like – I think his general inconsistent bad decision-making should hold much more weight than the occasional passing flash. I mean, at this point, he's really not someone that you want to trust with the ball on a significant basis. And, I mean, he can't really play on the perimeter as a wing. Max like I said, I don't really trust him as like a true rim roller type of big. And there's just lots of questions with him. I know, like I said, not to kind of um, in role, but Paul Reed is really just, like, a guy with a collection of skills instead of, like, a cohesive basketball player, and that's pretty worrisome. Um, got Um, Like I said, like, there are some, like, guys with collective skills who are good enough at those collective skills that they're worth gambling on and worth hoping that a good coach or a good team context can meld them into a functional NBA player. But for Paul Reed, I mean... I could see him developing into like some kind of like maybe sort of first versatile defensive specialist if he puts on some weight. Um, maybe still probably never much on offense. I know I, I've seen him comps. Like I've seen make people make like Thad Young comps. And I'm just like as a longtime Pacers fan, Thad Young is far superior as a defender. And I don't think he ever gets there strength-wise and even offensively. But I mean, could be an interesting defensive, versatile player. But someone who's worth a second-round look. In this draft, probably stays in at this point, too. So, interesting ish prospect, pretty fun, but probably not like a super functional NBA player without some serious development. All right. And shall we move on to our next um, collection of guys, Max? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, we're going to talk about some the Kentucky guys, uh, Tyrese Maxey and Ashton Higgins. We're not going to spend too much time talking about Tyrese Maxey because we are going to do that we're saving that for a future episode but we'll talk about ashton Hagen. so max why don't you get started
0: Hagens is is a well first of all for people who don't know he's a lead guard uh pretty small like what six two six three um really popular among uh like traditional scouting people because he's just like, he's a gritty guy and like an aggressive point of attack defender. What I will say for his point of attack defense is that it's honestly less so technically sound than it is. He just takes lots of risks. Um, So even there, he's, he's not that good Um, off the ball, like Kentucky depresses that sort of thing, but uh, not, not impressive there either. Um, Offensively, he can't really dribble, and he can't shoot. He shot over eighty percent from the line this year, which is a positive sign if you buy that. But for lead guards, I definitely have a much higher threshold for the level of shooter you need to be. Uh, I I don't really think Higgins is that much of a prospect. Like maybe after guys return, he would be in the vicinity of the top hundred. But for me right now, he's he's pretty firmly outside of that. Um, I think like he's gonna get drafted. I would think he he is. The type of guy that I think traditional scouts would would really enjoy, but not not uh, not my type of guy.
1: No, he he definitely gets a boost at the point of attack for being like a very like in your face like ninety four feet kind of defender. Um, those guys are loved by um traditional scouting. Um, these guys who like be recklessly aggressive at the point of attack, and like Max said, that aggression can be mistaken for actual on ball technique or lateral mobility, where he's like fine. Like he's good, but he's not this uber elite defensive stopper that he's really built as. And offensively, I mean, he's like he's a pretty good passer, and he makes some good plays. But this has been mentioned before. That he kind of plays like reckless, like he's all feel, like no, like he doesn't make actual reads. He plays like purely off instinct, which means like he'll he'll get in some spots where he'll make some really impressive like kind of plays that you wouldn't see but he'll just like he'll make plays where he throws the ball away or there's like a clear pick and roll read and he'll just miss it for a bad shot so um i just don't think he's yeah like like max said don't really buy him as a serious prospect um not even sure if he's gonna crack my top 100 once guys come back because i mean just like as, as a backup point guard type like even if he hits the ceiling he's like a backup three and D point guard, and that's just such a replaceable commodity in the modern NBA, and just not someone who's very interesting as a prospect. But yeah, definitely someone who's going to get drafted, I think, and someone who's going to get a chance to prove himself at the NBA level. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, Tyrese Maxey, on the other hand, much more interesting. Oh my god, six three combo guard. Uh, we're not going to, like Ben said, we're not going to go hugely in depth. Um, I lowered him a bit recently because I had him at number two. It, I kept him in my first tier, but he's now the last guy in my first tier. Um, I, I have slight concerns about the shot now. I think it, it needs some correcting to really work from three, uh, just because the the set point is like below his chin, um, and the trajectory is just so low that he really can't shoot threes. And he has so many front room misses, and he did in high school too. Uh, he did, but he had better arc on the shot in high school, which is. I don't know. It, it's just confusing. I think he'll probably shoot just fine in the NBA, and he can shoot from mid-range. But the appeal to me of Tyrese Maxey is genuine three-level scoring upside uh, because he's a very good finisher due to his incredible touch and strength and balance. Um, he is pretty damn bursty. He's not. He doesn't have shiftiness. He doesn't have a lot of shake. But he can just blow by guys, and I like I, we've mentioned before. I think his balance is like the best in the class by a pretty good margin. Um, I, among guard finishing prospects in this class, like I think Riller is still a better guard finishing prospect, but Maxi is probably second because he's got yeah. he's got size on on Dotson, who who would also I guess be up there. But um, he's a really good guard finisher. Uh, by the mid-range shooting for sure. He's so balanced on those pull-ups. It's a thing of beauty to watch. Uh, and then I think the three will probably come. And then defensively, really, really like him on the ball. Very strong, moves really well. Uh, and then as a team defender, I think he's really underrated because he had bad stock numbers at Kentucky. But he's very, very sound. Uh, not a big-time playmaker, but makes, makes all of his rotations well. Uh, really just fits nicely into a team context. Uh, so I think that he's gonna be a really, really nice valuable defender uh, with some some positional versatility because he is he is very strong. Um, I think probably gets underrated as an athlete generally because he's this he's got this little stocky build, but he's really very impressive uh, when you factor in the strength, the balance, burst, uh, just like flexibility. Uh, I think he's he's pretty unusual physically, uh, especially given his his stature. So I think generally just a a very underrated prospect. Someone I'm I'm confident is going to be a good NBA player with some serious upside to be a pretty damn impressive scorer.
1: Yeah, Maxi is also at the bottom of my first tier. Uh, Like Max, I was thinking about this earlier for a piece I'm working on that will come out soon. Like Maxi is probably like looking at the total package, one of like the best. Really is one of the best athletes in the class. I mean, yeah, when considering like functional athleticism, which is really the athleticism you want to consider. That He's so functionally great there, um, offensively and defensively. Like you said, the Kentucky depression, I think on both ends, is really real. Um, it, it's definitely most notable for his stocks, but I think it's also notable for his playmaking, which definitely was disappointing this year. But I think it was more impressive pre-college in his AAU sample, which is important to consider, and definitely his role at Kentucky um made it more difficult because often he was playing as like a third guard next to Emmanuel quickly and Ashton Hagan so didn't really have a chance to make make passes and I think there's definitely it, it's important to consider the pa- the fact that he basically never played off the ball before he got to Kentucky um he, he had never played as like an off-ball guard and he stepped in and like willingly accepted that role and definitely struggled but I think all things considered was pretty solid there yeah, not going to say too much more about Maxie because we're going to say the future, but Maxie's like a r- really, really excellent prospect. top tier guy in this class pretty easily. Uh, um, firmly in that group with guys like Lamello and Anthony Edwards and Killian Hayes for me. And one of the clear best prospects in the 2020 class.
0: Yeah, I don't want to oversell his pre-college passing. Like, I it was definitely a weakness. Like, I, I viewed him as more of a combo guard coming into the year, and it was a reason that I couldn't quite get to him in, like, tier one. Um. But he's, I think that, if I remember correctly, he was like a very high assist to turnover guy. He's just like a caretaker of the ball. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be a lead guard at any point, but I think he has m- definitely more yeah. on, on the ball utility than you'd think watching him at Kentucky. Just like I think would be non-disastrous. But to me, the real appeal is very strong defender with serious scoring potential.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think there's definitely a chance that he becomes a really high-level, off ball shooter, like you said. I mean, the, the mechanical stuff is an issue, but he's just, like, uh, I, I don't even think we mentioned his floater touch, which is incredible. Um, yeah, it definitely. was
0: honestly disappointing at Kentucky because it was, like, in high school, it was oh, truly, yeah. I mean, abs- yeah. Truly, yeah. truly absurd, and it was just good at Kentucky. Um But, yeah, I mean, he's got – he has the in-between game for sure. Yeah, Again, part of – just a very – I think very diverse scoring package.
1: Yeah, super – very diverse scoring. Arsenal, um, positional versatility, defensively, awesome prospect. So I think we'll move on to our next guys to avoid oversaturating the maxi talk. So our next guys are the three Duke guys to have declared and probably the only Duke guys to have declared. That is Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, and Cassius Stanley, who have all declared for the draft. Uh, two freshmen and Stanley and Kerry, Trey Jones, sophomore. We'll start talking about Trey Jones, who is definitely the best prospect of the bunch. Trey Jones, six foot two, six foot three, lead guard, just. The, his appeal is kind of as like a versatile third-piece, like 3 and D-ish type guard. Um Really improved his shooting this year. His free throw, his free throws got back up to closer to what they were pre-college. Shot 77% of the line this year, which is an improvement for last year. And his off dribble shooting improved quite a bit this year. Shot 38% on long twos. Made around like 40 unassisted, sixty two in total, which is quite good. Um, Definitely an improvement. And the passing, I think the general decision-making on both ends took a step back this year, but he was more aggressive on both ends and made more aggressive reads in the pick-and-roll and and stuff, which I think is important. Um, So I generally am pretty in on his passing. Defensively, he's really, really good at the point of attack, strong, moves really well laterally. I think overall defensively, not as good as he was last year, but also um, in a much higher usage role this year without any – I mean, without Zion or Cam Reddish or R.J. Barrett – to like steal the spotlight from him. There's the only other super high, pro- higher profile team. It was Vernon Carey, whose usage comes in a very different way from him. And then defensively, um, took a lot more risks um, as a team defender. wasn't as sound there, gambled a bit more there, but still quite good there. So yep. Trey Jones, uh, never like a initiator prospect. Another guy whose ceiling isn't super high, but as just like a strong combo not combo off ball guard who can run some pick and rolls and should be a really solid should be like a valuable contributor at some point
0: i feel like i keep getting more and more skeptical of trey because i just like i've mentioned i have a high shooting threshold for guys that size i like you mentioned he's a really good point of attack defender and i think he, he like fights with guys bigger than him also like i know last year he definitely like had some good moments uh defending like Jarrett Culver at the point of attack so he like he he has maybe more versatility than you think of a kind of like skinny 62 guy but when your calling card is point of attack defense and you don't really do all that much else i get pretty concerned and just offensively like you mentioned i looked passing definitely disappointed this year just like it just isn't all that impressive um which you probably wouldn't think from his assist totals uh and then just as a scorer, like the pull-up got a lot better this year, which is encouraging but the finishing was really bad and he's very small um I'm good I watched one Duke game recently. I'm gonna do like a big Duke binge soon um and we'll see where where he he comes out for me but I'm starting to prefer all of those sort of late first point guard gambles. To him, so like Riller Dotson. Um, I'm blanking out, there's one more, I think, but uh, I don't know, I'm getting kind of skeptical that he's any more anything more than just like a pretty replaceable uh, bench guard. Uh, but I think he will play in the NBA,
1: yeah. And I think, um, I'm also lowering on Trey Jones. There was a point where I had him like in the mid, mid-teens, and I'm definitely lower than I was then, have have come down pretty considerably, but still in the first time for me. I think um once he goes back to a lower usage role, I think the decision-making on both ends confidence is improving, and then I think as a guy who just hopefully, I mean, the idea is someone who doesn't make mistakes as much as he did this year, and is pretty solid all around defensively, but the shot is kind of the key thing for him, and like you said, if he doesn't shoot, probably not like a viable NBA rotation piece, yeah. I mean, Trey Jones, just lots of lots of guards in this class. Um, less exciting than a lot of the Dotsons or Realers, but probably more likely to be an NBA guy than those. So yeah, the, definitely, I'd say the best um, for, for me at least, the most interesting of the Duke prospects that are going to come out this year. So
0: yes, but I'm not sure how much that's saying. <laughs> yeah. Which um, I guess, do you want to do Carry first or cash a Stanley?
1: Once again, the prep to Pro MBA Draft podcast is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash team. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, uh, I think I have them, I don't know, I'm both in the same way. We'll probably do Carrie just because I feel like he's more well, like more. In the mainstream, I think he's a little better than Stanley, but yeah, I, I think he's
0: better than too.
1: Yeah, I don't love either <laughs> of them. So, you, you, yeah, so Carey is like six foot ten, big man, like darling. RSCI was was, was he top five at least? Top five? I think he was top two. Because uh, wasn't Stewart second or third? Oh, sure. I think I think you're yeah. right. I think yeah, Carey you know, was
0: Carey was fifth in RSCI. Right, yeah,
1: he, he was top five rci darling um had a really productive freshman season offensively was pretty effective scoring in the post um did that really well has really nice touch um at the basket and but super left hand dominant basically never uses his right hand at the rim that's an issue and as a passer um his decision making is pretty not good i'll say he like like there were certain gains and moments where he flashed like passing attitude like the first half um at clemson was like really really impressive decision making passing and he definitely has some vision and passing ability but it's just so inconsistent and the decision making generally isn't there for him and it needs to be done the shot i mean he was pretty he was pretty uh okay on long twos and the free throws under 70 didn't really shoot threes not the most don't buy it the most defensively um also nothing nothing really special Is like a viable mover um he's not awful he can hang with um guards and hedges on occasion um but he's not going to switch really and he's not he he's not long enough and he's in the vertical explosion to reliably protect the rim at like a, a high level for his role just i mean someone like being someone that productive and that young um there's definitely something to be said for that and he's like a good rebounder too but just a pretty meh big um not very exciting uh probably doesn't have much more than like a bench or low-end starter um outcome in the nba which is just not someone you want to draft
0: very highly so he's pretty strong and he's got he's got some bounce um and like you said i think he's he's like a passable mover um I like for so I, I guess the like natural comparison as is, is Isaiah Stewart. I like Carry a lot more than Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. Um, just because he's he's a bit more mobile, he's got some more skill. Um, he but I and he's just he's a lot more explosive. But I, I mean, as you probably would have guessed, I don't like either of them. I don't think you do either. Um, at least, like, Carey's also – he's got some handling. Like you mentioned, it's all with the left, but he's got some handling ability. So if he gets to a point where he can kind of shoot, then he can attack closeouts also. But I just don't really know what the role is with Vernon Carey. Like, are you really going to be giving Vernon Carey post touches? I think that's that's just a thing to generally think of with a, a college big who gets most of his offense from from the post. Like, is this actually a guy you're going to be giving serious post touches to? Because in the NBA – there are a handful of guys that get that. Uh, so if that, you know, if that's the way that a big needs to get his offense, that's not really very projectable unless it's Joel Embiid. Very special. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Carey, just not someone I'm, I'm all that interested in. I uh, prefer him to Isaiah Stewart, but definitely like well below Zeke Nagy for me. Yeah,
1: unspecial. All right, so want to talk about Cassius Stanley now?
0: Yeah, Cassius Stanley, freak, 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 vertical leaper just has some of the wildest in-game dunks, just insane vertical leaper, Uh, but super old. Like, will be 21 before his rookie season starts. It's older
1: than Jaron Jackson. Yeah,
0: so really old for a freshman. Uh, And, like, I think took well to a reduced role at Duke. Like, the problem with Cassius Stanley always was that he was trying to – like, kind of similar to Scotty Lewis. Like, was always trying to create – like, was playing with the ball in his hands. I would just take, like – awful awful mid-range jumpers and like his numbers were terrible and you watched him and he was terrible and then he shows up at Duke, and he's in a more reasonable complimentary role he can just shoot threes he can attack closeouts um but even in that reduced role his decision making was still pretty disastrous uh he had like a 0.5 assist to turnover ratio um he is like i don't think he's like a smart defender like he seems to to mess up coverages pretty often uh he's just like honestly not very good uh i like he'll probably get drafted again i think he'll he'll get a shot in the nba because of his athletic tools and he can kind of shoot uh and just the the need for wings in the nba but not not a guy i'd draft um and i think it, it should be concerning that like he's this old and was relegated to a complimentary role at duke and like still wasn't very good
1: yeah, and I'll say like his finishing, like given his athleticism, is really concerning. I mean, um, in the forty seventh percentile around the basket. Um, considering he's like a very high level vertical athlete, is just very not good. Like th- though he's super athletic, and he like Max said, he does some nutty stuff in the open floor. Just not very functional as an athlete because he doesn't really have the handle to take advantage of it. Anyways, like I said, the, that decision making in a reduced role, um was was nice to see but like the fact that um a player went from atrocious decision making to just regular bad decision making is like not exactly super inspiring that he's still like he's still not a good decision maker by any means even in that just in that reduced role because like maybe if Cassius is ends up being like a quite good shooter even though like low 70s from the line fine numbers from 3 Fine numbers on long twos on pretty low volume. Nothing that indicates he's going to be a very special shooter or anything more than like a dunker offensively. Yeah, like super like guys who are that old and that unspecial. Like old, like guys at his age should be dominating college basketball and his athletic tools, but he's just not, and he's pretty underwhelming and just not a really exciting draft prospect. So,
0: yeah, yeah I think he's a type. He's the type of guy that like you line up skills. Uh, and like do a checklist of skills, he sounds really appealing, but he's it just doesn't come together as a good basketball player, uh, yeah. and that's just it's not how you should evaluate. So when you say that he's he's a freak athlete on the wing who shot okay on, it should be noted like really small volume from three. Yeah, he um, took eighty six threes this year. So. Yeah, like um that sounds really appealing, but the actual the this the um the sum it's is then it's then it's parts
1: all right so to move on to the next guy our our next guy is Robert Woodard Mississippi State um wing this is the six six foot seven sophomore wing really really good athlete he's kind of huge six foot seven he's totally jacked and he's a really really good um secondary rim protector probably one of the better non-center rim protectors in this whole class can really get up um, has good instincts there, pretty pretty, pretty smart playmaker all around, um, he's not perfect, on, on the ball he's fine, and then offensively, um, the shot is the big question mark with Robert Woodard, free throw percentage are, is not very good, um, he shot 60, 64% from the line, and made like 42% of the threes on low volume, nothing special from far too, uh, I mean, if he doesn't shoot, probably not going to be a viable NBA player. And I think his, his feel stuff and decision making is better than his numbers. Max and I were talking about this before the show that even though he has a point 0.7, assist the turnover ratio, he makes an impressive passes and his decision making generally seems a little better than that number to me. No, it's certainly not special. I think incredible. And the handle isn't great. He's not going to really create for himself, but just like as this off ball complimentary wing, he needs to shoot to fill that role. But if he does probably pretty good, even though like he's, pretty fairly hyped i mean espn has like had him in the top 25 for quite a while now don't think he's that caliber of prospect with just the question marks surrounding him but i mean guys with his tools are worth the bet and his size so probably like a second round wing prospects like he's pretty good so
0: i'm pissed at espn for getting so high on woodard because i liked him last year i liked him coming into the year um like had him i think is in my top 60 coming into the year uh but now they've got him in the 20s and i think that's insane uh because the the shooting is pretty questionable it seems like he shoots a lot better when he steps one two into his spot ups than when he hops in but he kind of mixes the footwork so sometimes he'll hop in and sometimes he'll step in one two uh so i think he's just got to commit to the one two probably uh he can't really dribble like you mentioned um Passing flashes are nice. He is a really good rim protector. I think he's probably more forward than wing uh, myself. And he, like we've mentioned this with Patrick Williams, that like if he's asked to be a wing, it's probably not going to work. Whereas if you have a team that knows that he's like a four, it'll work better. Um, So I don't like him where ESPN has him. I've still got him in my 40s. I think Uh, you know rim protecting forward. I think can shoot spot ups. Uh, Like Ben said, pretty pretty bouncy. I'm, I want to watch some more because I'm undecided on where I come down on his feel. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I, I, for lack of a better term, don't have a good feel for it yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, def- definitely a real prospect and a guy that if, if he's actually available later than, than like ESPN indicate he's, he's pretty interesting. But mm-hmm. if, if he's costing you a top 25 pick, I would definitely pass. Yeah, absolutely. All right,
1: so should we go on to the next guy? Um, you have some more thoughts on Kyra Lewis, um, Alabama guard.
0: So why don't you get yes, into that? I do. So we talked about Kyra on our swing skills episode, which I think was episode three. And we talked about decision making. But I, I watched some more Alabama. um, And I think that it's worth pointing out that Kyra has a good amount of utility off the ball because – uh, he was just a very effective spot up player this year because he's a good spot up shooter, but also you can't really help off of Kyra Lewis because if you're then closing out to Kyra Lewis, like you're, you're done, you're done for because he's just going to accelerate past you. His acceleration is so smooth and so seamless and he is, he's, uh, he's pretty good attacking off the catch. And then he, um he has some craft as a finisher and he's got touch on runners and stuff that I I think that it's, really tough uh with him off the ball you just have to kind of say stay really staple to him um and then on the ball just you know he has he has that acceleration uh i'm he's like kind of interesting to me uh in terms of like explosion because i don't think his first step is that crazy but it's the successive steps after that that he just accelerates really like consistently and smoothly and then like we've talked about also that his just transition from dribble to pass is incredibly seamless just everything he does is very smooth um so while i maybe don't think that he's the smartest player in the world i don't i think that that a lot of the decisions for him are pretty easy and he's not as boxed in as an on the ball player as i think i initially thought i also came away like a, a lot more impressed with his defense honestly at the point of attack like he's pretty impressive he's he, like he's very skinny um And, you know, that needs work and will probably be an an even bigger problem in the NBA. And his screen navigation is not always the best from a footwork standpoint, but he moves well laterally and he tries hard. Uh, So I came away a bit higher on his defense, honestly. At times, it's really good. Um, And even, like, with the bad footwork, uh, he's he's very – uh, his effort is very good, recovering, and he's got really good length. So his his um, like recovery challenges from like the rear view or even like getting back in front of guys is pretty damn impressive. Uh, so I just when I you know binged a few games recently. I raised Cairo a fair amount. I've got him uh, I think like 14 now, uh, but just has had some more offensive versatility than I thought. Better, definitely better defensive projection than I thought. Um, and just a, just a pretty good prospect. I don't think that he'll ever. I don't buy him as a like special like Ben does. Uh, I think that you know he he might not even be a, a starting guard, and if he is, probably not a super high end one. But uh, I've definitely risen on Kyra.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny that uh, the first thing that you mentioned that special like because, because the first thing I was going to say is I was going to talk about how you mentioned his finishing craft. I was going to talk down his finishing because really not a fan.
0: No, he's not a good. He's not a good oh, finisher. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah. Like he's got some craft, but he yeah. like is not a good finisher because he can't really jump at all.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, he, I mean, he shot forty percent. No, not forty percent. He shot under fifty percent from at the rim this year for a guard with the volume. Really not good. And besides, like like you said, he's not a vertical athlete. He like has a really bad habit where he jumps too early. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's like very good I, outside of the Eurostep, which he's which he wields pretty often. I don't think he has much in terms of like pacing and like, like advanced pick and roll stuff in terms of jail and snaking and stuff. And then he's so skinny, um, like he's like 170 probably, really, really thin and like gets bumped off his spot at the rim so 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 poorly. I mean, I mean, that being said, I'm like a good five or six spots higher than Kyrie Lewis than you are, um, because I think like I thought, like, he's he poor. Poor. I thought you got it, I thought you had him like five or six. No, I've lowered a little bit. I have him, I think, eight or nine-ish. Cause okay, I've, yeah, i but still, still like firmly in that range for me. Um, have lowered a little bit on him after watching some more and just like souring a little bit on on the on-ball stuff. But yeah, like you said, off-ball, he's like really, really competent and was really good catch and shoot this year. And like, I'm not sure, like, like, like if you're if you're drafting him in the top ten or so, like you're not drafting him to play off-ball probably. You're drafting him for the the on-ball ceiling with his with his ability to get into the lane and his hopeful pull ability and some of the passing stuff he shows. I do think like the general decision making and feel has improved as the season has gone on. Like in some of the earlier games, I watched like it was really really dire. I mean, like that was like a serious dichotomy between the cool like live dribble skips he does, but just missing some obvious reads. I think it was particularly bad in the North Carolina game early in the year, but like in some later games. And that stuff was really much more impressive. I think in the Vanderbilt game, is the one that comes to my mind recently. But yeah, I mean Kyra is like definitely a, a pretty good prospect. One that I think um, is probably gonna be a really good value actually, because in most of like the mainstream mocks and boards I've seen, he's consistently placing in around the 20s, which even I think Max will agree is pretty strong value for Kyra Lewis at that point if he can land on a good team and. Get some utility, tacking off the catch, and be able to learn to run some secondary pick and roll. So yeah, Kyle Lewis is, is, a, is a good prospect. Um, should go higher than you probably will in this upcoming draft. So
0: yeah, it's kind of crazy how long like ESPN took to get him out of like the 30s into. I think they now have him in the mid 20s, which is still I think a, a bit low. But it's it, it, like he had a really pretty good season, and they're just slow moving him up. But yeah, I think 20 20s is definitely good value for him. All right, so.
1: I think we have one more guy in our like notables category. so max,' why don't you go with um talk about our last guy?
0: Yeah, Isaiah Stewart uh, who we we obviously talked about a little bit earlier, I don't like him at all. Um, he's a six nine center. he's very strong, uh, and he was a really effective post player in college. but you know as we've said, the translatability of post scoring is really low for these guys that, that aren't actually going to operate in the post. And the problem with Stuart translating to the role of like a role man is that he can't jump at all. Like we've mentioned this stat before, but he had 26 dunks I think this year, which for just if you look at the, at the big men that were that I guess like ground bound by that measure, it's just, it's a like graveyard of busts. Um, so I just don't, know what role he fills he's not smart like he he's very oblivious he just like misses all sorts of of pretty obvious rotations and then it like hidden in washington's zone a little bit is his movement but i re- i don't think he can move at all like we were talking before the show i asked ben on a scale of one to ten where would you have stuart and carry as lateral mobility guys i think we both said like stuart would probably be a two or three and carry a four or five so, where Carrie I think, is is unlike the low end of passable. Uh, I think Stewart's really bad. Uh, I just, I, I, I just don't really like anything about him. I guess I, I'd, I'd like to see the an intelligent case made for him that goes beyond production and RSCI because I don't really see one. But he's going to be drafted highly, and I don't think he's going to be very good. Uh, I, I wouldn't draft him at all, honestly. Um, Unless you're really into the idea of like six nine Ennis Cantor with worse touch, um, yeah, I'm not not an Isaiah Stork guy. I think Ben, I think you're muted.
1: Yes. Now, good. Okay. Does yeah. not feature in my top 100 either. Just not a very good prospect. I like. I've jokingly said, like, Isaiah Stewart will be draftable if he's, like, the best big man shooter of all time, which is... like. I mean,
0: he's, like, a good free throw shooter, and his mechanics are good, and he's... He, on, on his free throws, he, like, sets it, and then moves yeah. it, and sets it. It's really it's weird. interesting,
1: but, like, the touch is good, and, like, yeah, and he, shot probably well. be okay. like he shot 77%, and then, like, like Max, like the movement's hidden by Washington. zone. If you go back and watch him play, um, this was more evident in FIBA, I think in U18 or whatever. And there was some at La Lumiere last year that like really struggled as a mover in certain games. Um, so that's more, if you want to see that and go watch those games, I think those are all available on YouTube or whatever. But yeah, Isaiah Stewart really just like not a very impressive prospect. Not someone, like someone who's going to get a chance, like talking about last week about NBA opportunity with James Wiseman, definitely going to get the chance to play. But just not anything more. Not than to the, the same
0: record. not to the same extent though, because Stuart's stock has fallen. Like there are no longer people ca- making a case for him in the lottery. Um, but no, I, I, maybe there are. Uh, but there's But, um, but I, I think like at least on ESPN, which I regard as, as like the most reliable from an Intel perspective, uh, I think he's fallen into the twenties, so I don't know that he is even going to get opportunity like that. I think that it's like quite possible that a team drafts Isaiah Stewart and gets him in the building and realizes that he's not very good pretty damn quickly. Like Wiseman is going to get opportunities because he's going to be a top five pick, but <laughs> Stewart, I don't know that that's even going to be the case. Like I'm not going to price that in for him. Like we talked, we talked about it on the last podcast with pricing in guys that we uh like where they'll be taken either if we're a lot higher on them or a lot lower on them for Stewart, i'm not even going to do that because I, I think he's going to go late enough that a team could you know yeah. realistically realize this guy's not any good and cut bait pretty quickly yeah,
1: yeah. espn has him 26 in their best available which is fine definitely a stark fall from his rsi where he was like second as we talked before yeah
0: if just- i mean if you want a 6-9 center who can't jump just take xavier tillman because he's, he's good. because he's like skilled and a genius. Yeah, and good. Um, but yeah, not not yeah. an Isaiah Stewart guy. No,
1: and I think those are all like the notable declaration guys. So now we're going to get into some sleepers, more sleepery type prospects. And the first guy we're going to get into is uh, Najee Marshall, junior wing at Xavier. Um, partially, it's like this six-seven, really good on-ball defender. Like has really great screen navigation. Did really, did really, did really well against like Miles Powell, which is becoming like a an indicator of good screen navigation. <laughs> I talked about this with Tyshawn Alexander. I mean, if you can hang with Miles Powell for two games, that's probably a good sign. Yeah, I mean, off the ball, like make some good plays, but nothing special. Not crazy instincts. Offensively, I guess kind of, like, I feel is this, this guy who can, like, attack off the catch and make some decisions because his, like, he can really make some passes, especially when he's attacking off the catch, like, skips the weak corner and makes some really good drop-off passes attacking off the catch, and he's, like, a really, really good finisher, too. He's at 69% in the half court this year. I, I was doing some research earlier for a piece that, that same piece that's coming that I'm, I'm going to have soon out of like non big prospects who are like actually probably getting it drafted or have a chance to get drafted, draft. That's like the best, the most efficient finishing out of any of those guys. So really good there. This is like, I mean, the issues with Marshall are that first, the shooting is kind of murky, um, has never really shot well from three free throws like mid seventies. So fine, but like definitely far from a lock to shoot. And then the decision-making, um when he's not attacking off the catch, wanes quite a bit. Um, doesn't really get to the rim as much as he should. Um, takes like some boneheaded like floaters and mid range jumpers and misses leads that he shouldn't. So, yeah, just like definitely like as like a six foot seven wing who's like pretty good defensively and like another iffy shoots guy with some passing, but I mean not someone I'm like super big on or anything like some people are.
0: Yeah, I feel like the appeal like very, very good defender. I really like him as an off the catch player because he's an ex- he's explosive and his like footwork attacking off the cla- off the catch is great. Um, the jumper is, is the big swing skill. Mechanically, pretty inconsistent. Um, the biggest thing is that he like just doesn't hold a follow through ever. Um, but like you said, it, I mean, if he shoots, he's probably going to be pretty good and valuable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like someone I draft. Uh, I don't know if he'll keep his name in. I feel like his stock didn't never took off, but um, I definitely recommend also if you if you want to read more about Naji Marshall. I, I guess this is becoming the Zach Milner episode, but uh, but our friend Zach Milner is the world Naji Marshall guy and wrote a long piece on the Stepian that you should check out. Um, but Naji Naji is a real prospect despite the poor shooting numbers. Um, pretty pretty impressive slasher, impressive defender. Um and if he shoots, will yeah. will be a good player. Quickly, I'll say I think he's probably a bit
1: like 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 you said he like, he's like pretty bursty attacking off the catch and his footwork's great. I think because he's not a very good ball handler, that handle kind of holds his burst back burst back and makes it look a bit worse. Situation be yeah, like he is really quite bursty and like our friend I was talking with Zach earlier about Najee Marshall, he's like 18 for 25 and spot up drive, so even statistically like very good attacking off of the catch and like if he shoots like a really really effective off ball wing. Which is worth something, but yeah, so de- definitely a draftable prospect. Um, like I said, yeah, his stock, like I, am kind of surprised it hasn't risen as much given how many tables Zach has pounded for him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, Najee Marshall is like a pretty interesting prospect, nonetheless. So, go to our next sleepery prospect,
0: yeah. So uh, Amir Sims is a forward at Clemson. Not really an athlete, but he's a pretty damn good shooter and an impressive passer. Um, I haven't seen too much of him, but uh, yeah. I mean, that that that's the appeal. He's he's yeah. big, can pass and can shoot.
1: Yeah, and Sims can really pass, and I, I mean, he's shooting is is not wonderful or anything. I mean, he's at like mid seventies from the line, I believe. i'm, not, I'm sorry, he's at low seventies from the line. Um, shot well on low volume, but the passing is really really good. Um, off of a short roll, he makes quick decisions. He even like can hits like some passes off the live dribble like at the end of the louisville game he had a really impressive live dribble pass to the corner which kind of made my eyes pop a little bit yeah sims is really good and then defensively he's really really smart makes great rotations always in position uh definitely a top 100 guy for me certainly someone i think is quite good and if he stays in after guys um go back definitely could be a guy i see approaching draftable range yeah sims is like like i said not an athlete at all but just a really good basketball player Someone like if he's actually a pretty good shooter, um, could be a really good prospect or an interesting one at least. So,
0: yeah. Well, you want to you want to say something quickly on Josh Hall just so people know who he is because yeah, I'd imagine I not someone that a lot of people have seen. Yeah, I'll talk
1: on Josh Hall quickly. Um, was supposed to go to Louisville, I think. Um, maybe not.
0: I, I'm, I don't I, remember.
1: Oh, sorry, no, not Louisville. It's NC State supposed to go to NC State um, next year. Uh, fifth year senior. Um, at Moravian Prep, played CP3 at um, for EYBL. The appeal with Josh Hall is this like six foot eight wing who can handle and shoot the ball. Um, our friend PD is a big Josh Hall guy. Um, stats aren't basically anywhere he gave me. I'm not sure. He's a big fan of him. I know, like uh, apparently, was like a really, really good free throw shooter and really good free throw rate guy in Adidas Gauntlet, where he um, played for CP3. I mean, he is like evidently good touch, and some of the handling stuff he does at six foot eight is really impressive, along with some of the shot making. But he is a serious, serious chucker. Like he has some vision. Like in transition, he's like a notably pretty solid passer, and like when he's like cut off or like can't drive. But like he'll make some good passes, but like his like every time he catches the ball, like no matter where he is on the floor, he'll like back up to the half court and go straight ISO, and which is not good. And then defensively, he's like one of the more apathetic defenders I've seen. Like he just does not play defense. He he kind of stands on the block and swipes, which means like he'll like, occasionally get a block or a steal that way. But like he just doesn't try. I'll say like in the one AAU game, UYBL game I saw, he was a little more engaged. But, like, all of his high school games, it was just very, very not good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, maybe a guy who will, like, slot into my top 100. Probably will once guys return. But, like, yeah, I was just, like, a guy who like is, is really tall. And if the shooting is, like, that good, then, like, he might be worth quite a bit more than that. But, yeah, I mean, Josh Hall, like, big wing, like, the latest, like, high school up kind of guy. But there's, like, that, that low as a field guy is really, really concerning. So
0: i haven't seen him what i've heard from you and others about him defensively and as a field guy is really Not good bad. yeah Not good. um but yeah I, I don't have anything to add uh should we move on to guys who have caught our eyes recently
1: yeah let's do it so my first guy um is will richardson um Oregon sophomore six foot five guard, and the appeal with Richardson is just like such an awesome handler, really, really controlled. Um, gets in and out of moves quickly, great spin move, um, to get by guys, and is a pretty good finisher. Uh, should be a really good shooter as well, like high, um, like mid 80s free throw line, shot like 47 percent from three on okay volume. I mean, not that great, around, around 80 attempts, 80, 80, 90 attempts, but really, really good there. Just the the issue with Richardson is he's, like, very unathletic and struggles to get all the way to the rim, and defensively, he's smart, he's a smart team defender, and he's pretty solid positionally, but yeah, I mean, probably Oregon's, like, most exciting prospects, I mean, not saying too much, like, like he's more exciting than Peyton Pritchard to me, or, like, or anyone else like that. But I mean, don't
0: yeah. CJ Walker. I, I did forget
1: about CJ Walker. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Like
0: he's, I, he's I, at this I, point probably yeah. more. Probably,
1: yeah, yeah. I didn't watch CJ Walker in pre-college like you did. And he like, was never very impressive to me. Like when I watched Oregon, except for like some random movement three hill hit. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy you, Ben. Oh my God. <laughs> we're, we're, this podcast is done. <laughs> All right. So I will. I'll be finding a new co-host next week, but for now we'll continue. Yeah, um, Will Richardson is like fun. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see him next year because Pritchard will be gone. Um.
0: <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I cheated last week on our mailbag episode when we were asked for freshman breakout candidates. I said Will Richardson because Peyton Pritchard would be gone. Um, I agree that he's <laughs> probably their most exciting prospect. Uh, just like I think, impressive uh, slasher, good defender, um, just a smart player all around. Like you said, not an athlete, but at least unlike Pritchard, like he's got he's got some serious size. Um, yeah, 65. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what, what 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 uh Will Richardson does next year. I feel like he just always pops when watching yeah. Oregon, and he's just a fun player. Um, yeah, so he, no. yeah, maybe not maybe not a big time NBA guy, but like he'll be on radars for sure
1: yeah it's like i'll always go into go into org games watching for other guys and then i'll be like wow we'll is just such a fun player really exciting exciting game next year
0: so yeah uh do you want to do your other one before i do mine sure
1: because max has a, a million guys i'll go to it. um i'm making well, this is really my guy also though is yeah really... I, I was gonna say ho- hopefully i'll make max um happy again with this one this is um Deshaun ruffin five foot nine high school class of 2021 recruit um, and he's just like awesome. I mean, talking about like five foot nine guards, like the level of goodness you have to be at five foot nine to be like I think he's a top twenty-five recruit in twenty twenty-one. Yeah, a one, you have to be really, really good at basketball. And Deshaun Ruffin is really, really good at basketball. I caught him when I was watching Josh Hall. He played Josh Hall's um, team in high school, and he kind of just like decimated them. I mean, he's so quick. I mean, gets into the rim, like gets like jumps insanely high on like his finishes. Like does some dumb stuff as like with reverse finishes and getting around the defense in midair. Um, the shooting is kind of crazy. He hits like ridiculous deep pull-ups. Um, can really pass and like I like I was talking to um, our friend Mike Gribanov about this. Like he. I, I believe really you agree with him that like he could definitely have some Chris Clemens equity, like as a four-year guy, if he like plays all four years at a good school. I mean, because Chris Clemens got like actual minutes with the Rockets this year, so like if if Chris Clemens if if Chris Clemens can like play actual NBA minutes, I see no reason that in like six years, Deshaun Ruffin can't play actual NBA minutes because he's just a little. <laughs> He's just a little ball of joy. I
0: mean, like the only the only draft podcast where we're talking about guys six years down the road. <laughs> yes, the only one
1: you'll find. Yeah. Um uh, Ruffin, like like if you're ever just like in a bad mood, just like go find I think he plays for like, Callaway High School. Um he has games against Memphis East where James Wiseman played, like I said, a game against Josh Hall on YouTube. Just just go Google him. Have a good time. Like make your life a little more fun. <laughs>
0: Deshaun Ruffin makes me incredibly happy. I love him so much. He is a, is an awesome shooter. Like you said, he's a crazy athlete. Like he's five nine and like swats shots at the rim uh, and has crazy finishes. He is wonderful. I love him so much. Um, I think he has like a neutral or negative wingspan at, at game, five nine, which is a little problematic. Um, but he's he's a just absolutely wonderful basketball player. Uh, I think he's committed to Auburn. Um, I don't think he's committed. I think he has not, offer. okay. Think okay. Okay. Yeah, he's very young. He's he's currently a junior. Yeah, he's high school class is twenty twenty one. Okay, high school yeah. So he's he's still very young, but he's so fun and he is my favorite person. <laughs> um, okay. Now now I to get into.
1: I hope you're listening because Practical Pro podcast loves you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, now, to well, actually, you know, what? I'm going to talk about someone else that I love before I get into the More other one. Very negative. Um, Miles McBride, who, oh, again, yes. we talked about last week and we've talked about in the past. I think I just want to emphasize how good Miles McBride is because he's a really serious prospect some of his off the dribble creation is very impressive. And his long two numbers were very, very good, like comparable with really serious on ball prospects. And then just defensively, he's such a disruptor. Uh, like he blows up so many actions on the ball and um as a team defender, and then the really special transition defense. Uh, If he like can just make strides as a passer, which is saying a lot because he's like point guard sized, um, but he if he can make strides as a passer he could be one of the like better guards in the class next year like like we've mentioned like in past episodes next year's guard class is pretty rough after like the Jalen Suggs uh Jaden Springers maybe maybe like Keon Johnson I guess like more of a combo but like the lead guards are kind of rough after that like you've got Caleb Love you've got Sharif Cooper but there is not like a distinct next group um, and Miles McBride could really rise there uh, if the passing reads improve. And like the, I want to be clear that the like baseline on that is low. Like his his passing is not good, but uh, he's also I, th- I think like committed to basketball pretty recently. Like he's I think he's a pretty big time football player, um, and so he just like doesn't have all that much of a track record. Um, so I'm maybe more hopeful than I should be. But if those passing reads do come along like miles mcbride is a very serious prospect like definitely first round prospect mate like pretty high even um so yeah i just want to emphasize that i think miles mcbride is like a really really good prospect i've got him like now in my 30s i just like adore watching him he's one of the few guys um this year in, in college basketball that i watch and i'm really impressed with because some of the stuff he does as a space creator and then as a defender is, is like legitimately pretty special.
1: Yeah, and I also have McBride in my 30s. Absolutely awesome players. Yeah, like you said, he was like a real pretty good quarterback in high school. Something about quarterbacks being good, <laughs> good draft prospects, um, Jalen Suggs. I mean, I think there's some, like you could see some of that translation with just is like his instincts on the defensive end. Like he reads like like offenses, like a quarterback reading a defense, which is like weird because you're thinking better as a passer, but. I mean, yeah, like I said, the passing needs to improve because, like, being being point guard sized and being as poor of a passer as he is, it's not great. But, like, Miles McBride is such an awesome creator and such an awesome defender. I do wish he got to the rim a bit more, too. Um, That's a bit of a concern for me at his size. But, yeah, I mean, just as a guy who I'm hoping, expecting to take a stride next year, and I- I'm not sure if Oscar Shibwe is going to be back. He was, like, surprisingly declared after original reports that he wasn't going to declare. Um. So I'm not I sure don't you think it was reports. I think Huggins said that he wasn't yeah, going to yeah, declare. Right. Yeah, yeah. Huggins said that Culver and Chibwe weren't going to declare. And then d- Oscar decided to declare anyways. Not sure if we say in, but like.
0: It, it, go it, get that bag, Oscar.
1: Yeah. Oscar, go get your money. We love you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Miles McBride has a chance to, like, and I'm not sure West, West Virginia has any big time recruits coming in next year. Maybe they do. I'm not sure. I don't think they do. Um, so yeah, I mean, Miles McBride's going to have a real chance to like, take on a bigger role next year and then really boost his stock. And like you said, like not a great guard class after the top guy. You've got like guys like Beekman and Nix and like Bryce Thompson, Caleb Love, Shushkofer. None of those guys are like especially incredible. So like, like there's no reason that Miles McBride couldn't skyrocket into that tier or even like towards the top of the group of guys because he's just a really, really good basketball player. So love Miles McBride. Excited to see him next year.
0: Yeah, and now changing the mood from guys that we love to a guy that I was really disappointed with. Um CJ Elby is a wing at Washington State. Um just like always shows up in stats queries because he's he just has like the profile of a of a guy that would be interesting from an NBA standpoint. Um I watched one of the Arizona games. Let me quickly check which one it was. It was the one from March. Oh, And it was, I think the worst game from a prospect from like a real prospect I've seen this year, Uh, just like wildly out of position defending like primary actions, Uh, just like major ball stopper and terrible decision maker, not an athlete, like was getting walled off by Nico, like time and time again, Um, just like undisciplined defending on the ball. Uh, His shot is, hes like, he's made it kind of, but hit like the shot line is weird. like he he brings it up like on the right side and and has like a lot of left right misses. He had like like multiple left right air balls that were really bad. Um It just takes a lot of terrible shots. Uh, and um, like was not good as a team defender, like missed all sorts of rotations. So that was just a terrible performance. like a really unbelievably bad performance to the point where like off that one game, I don't think he's an NBA prospect at all. Uh, but there are there are smart people that like him. I'm, I'm gonna watch some more, probably not this year because I don't think he's gonna come out, but before next year, I'll watch some more. But that was just an unbelievably bad performance from him.
1: Yeah, I think LB is a guy I've seen multiple people do the LB thing, where like they'll watch one or two games initially and they'll be intrigued because like I I know that's where I was. Um, I, I think I've talked to him on a previous catching eye, like in a positive light, because like you said, big stat query guy, great free throw guy, big steals and blocks guy at his at his size is theoretically interesting. I think in like the first game I caught, he did some good stuff as like a shot maker and had some okay decisions, but like he said, watching more, this is a guy you realize more and more is doesn't really know what he's doing on either end of the floor, because it just doesn't really separate at all, passing is not good, never really makes any tough reads, defensively, like, never in position, like I said, I mean, he's, like, six foot six, and like I said, I mean, he, he does the bring the ball across his face thing with the shot, but the, the free throws are good, and the long twos are okay, but yeah, I, I mean, I, like, probably, like, a little more optimistic on LV than you, but, like, that being said, he's, like, fringe top 100 for me, so like not not overly optimistic and i don't think he's very good at all um after someone i liked a lot um yeah, yeah i feel like a guy like as you watch more of you kind of realize that he's not that excellent of a prospect again probably will catch more of him just watching pac-12 games throughout the the cycle but not, not super inspiring and like is a sophomore so maybe could get better but
0: yeah okay my other two guys will be pretty quick the first is remy martin at uh arizona state six foot uh guard really skinny just tiny player but uh very quick has some finishing craft so this year got to the rim in the half court 30.7 percent of his of his shots were there and shot 57.5 percent so like pretty impressive finishing numbers for a guy that size uh if I remember correctly, he's got, like, a really wonky shot and has some decision-making issues, but also does flash as, like, a really impressive passer. Um, almost definitely not an NBA guy, but someone who could, like, tear up the G League, uh, be pretty good overseas. Um, I think he declared, right? Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, like, not an NBA guy right now yeah. at all, but if he if he stays in, someone who could, you know, definitely tear up the G League or or be good abroad. Um yeah. Yeah, just just to like quickly touch on him, I feel like I, he's he's yeah. a real professional prospect, not yeah. an NBA prospect. Yeah.
1: And this is the prep to pro podcast, uh, not just the NBA. So good on you bringing you up. I will say, I, the only, my only additional point is I did I do remember watching him play with Marvin Bagley in high school, and he was fun. But yeah, not like any serious points on him. As you said. Mm-hmm.
0: And then my final one is Manny Bates, center at NC State. Uh, so this year he was a red shirt, uh, freshman. He, he had a medical red shirt last year. He had a 16% block percentage, uh, which is just nuts. Like it, it, right now it's, it's him and Kyler Kelly. Uh, and I think what makes Bates interesting is that you compare him historically and like his level of, of like dunks and block percentage. It's really these, these like specialists who are, are enormous, like taco fall, uh Chris Kumaje, um Kenny Wooten, who's uh, like kind of different in that that he's like you know six seven center, but just a crazy two-foot leaper. Um it's all these guys who like aren't really all that functional basketball players. But Bates I think might be different because he's 6'11 and actually built, like he's, he, I think he's listed at 6'11", 240. So he's got legitimate center size and is this absolutely nuts shot blocker. Uh, and it seems like, I mean, at least more than like Kumaje or, or Taco Fall, like can actually move enough. Um, so someone that I'm going to monitor going forward, cause he's not, you know, Kyler Kelly, the other guy with a block percentage like that in college basketball is 23 years old and, weighs is seven feet and weighs 200 pounds like he doesn't have center size and he's ancient but Bates um you know he's not he's not insanely old and he's not one of these guys with uh size so crazy that it makes them not viable basketball players so I mean he's someone I'm going to monitor going forward because he's like I think he's much more functional uh as far as these shot blocking specialists go
1: yeah, I mean, Bates is definitely a really good, r- really, really good shot blocker. Tied for, I think, the eighth highest block percent, or eighth or ninth, n- sorry, ninth highest block percent since 2008 in Bart's Bartorvic database. And, like, really, really crazy good shot blocker at his size. And like I said, not like one of these weirdo outlier humans who is just, like, either too massive or too small to uh, actually, like, be functional on a basketball court. So, yeah, someone probably a four-year player, if I would, if I I would if I would guess.
0: Um, I mean, but but to that point, like Kenny Wooten, who is a like like whatever he's six seven six eight center, like he signed a two way contract, yeah. and he he's like not a good basketball player, like he's not a smart player, and he's only six seven or six eight, and he signed a two way contract. Like Manny Bates has actual center size to go with the crazy shot blocking, but without being like you said, one of the outlier size guys. Uh, so that's I just think that it's it's unusual. To see that level of shot blocking from a guy who, like, body-wise is normal for an NBA center.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, th- there's just, like, not a lot of normal body NBA centers who, have like, approached that block rate. I mean, the only ones, like, Hassan Whiteside, who's, yeah. like pretty normal size center even though he's quite big I mean no one else has really like done that who's like been an actual NBA player for multiple years yeah I mean definitely definitely someone to pay attention to um, with NC state going forward so
0: yeah and I think I think that's uh that's it for us today um we went super long obviously uh like we mentioned earlier in the show description we'll put Ben uh Ben's tracker for um declarations uh also uh this is we're recording this on friday april 10th so if a guy declares between now and monday uh if it's a big name he won't be covered in this uh and we didn't we haven't obviously covered everyone yet so just you know keep up with that tracker um and yeah that that's uh all i've got
1: all right yeah so make sure to follow the podcast on twitter at prep 2 Pod. Um, We are on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, Make sure to leave five stars, leave nice reviews if you're enjoying the show. Um, Make sure to follow myself on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And that's all we've got for you guys today. Hope you enjoyed the episode and have a nice day.